Welcome to the podcast on Sources of the Reign of Robert I and the Anglo-Scottish Wars of Independence, uh, a podcast produced by the Arts and Humanities Research Council-funded project, The Community of the Realm in Scotland, 1249-1424, to History, Law and Charters in a Recreated Kingdom. The project team uh, is made up of historians from the Universities of Edinburgh, Glasgow and King's College London and is recorded in the King's online studio at King's College London. Each week we'll take one of the important sources from or around the reign of Robert the Bruce, King of Scots, from 1306 to 1329 and explain what it is, how it survives uh, and why it matters. I'm Steve Boardman and this week Dovit Brune, Professor of Scottish History at the University of Glasgow, will be taking us through the Declaration of Arbroath, the Pluskerdon version. Uh, so David, perhaps you could outline what this source is. So the Book of Pluskerdon is the name that scholars have given a work in Latin of Scottish history from its origins through to the 15th century that was completed in 1461. And uh, you may think immediately, so how is this a source of the reign of Robert I? But it is of particular interest because the author of the Book of Pluskerton was very interested in the Declaration of Arbroath, and so interested that he copied it in, not once, but twice. So during Book 8, it duly appears, and then in Book 9, it appears again. So obviously in terms of this particular document's survival, it's tied up with the survival of the Chronicle. That's right, Uh, and I should say that it is not unusual, in fact perfectly normal, for the Declaration of Arbroath to appear in histories of Scotland written in Latin in the late Middle Ages. It was a routine feature. What is remarkable about the Book of Pluscadon, however, is not only that the author included it twice, but that he has rewritten it. And he's rewritten it in different ways on each occasion. Uh, This is something he does when he copies documents. Anyway, he's being literary as a historian, not just a historian of record. Ah, right then. So what does uh, the Pluskerton version uh, of the Declaration of Both actually say? Well, what it says is is much the same as the original, the original um, that we have, that is the duplicate that is so well known, um, that was kept by the Scottish government, and of course the one that was sent to the Pope is now lost. But... What, it, what the author of the Book of Pluskerton has done is he's recalibrated the prose, shall we say. So maybe the easiest way to appreciate this is to take perhaps the most famous phrase. So in the duplicate original, this reads, translated a little literally into English, it is not indeed for glory, riches or honours that we fight, but only for freedom, which no respectable person lets go of except with their life. And uh, before I go on to the Book of Pluskerton, I should explain that in the versions that were included in Histories of Scotland written in Latin in the late Middle Ages, this was already expressed slightly differently. So in the standard version, if you might call it that, known as Scotochronicon, that famous phrase read, it is not indeed for glory in war, 
riches or honours that we fight, but only for the laws of our fathers and for freedom, which no respectable person lets go of except with their life. So if you bear with me for a minute, I'll just take you through what that, what that famous clause becomes in the hands of the author of the Book of Placidon, initially in Book 8 and then Book 9, and he does different things. And you'll see the sort of slight differences, uh, which uh, see if you can pick up on. So in Book 8, this famous phrase is rendered thus. It is not indeed for glory in war, nor for riches or honours that we fight, but only for our freedom and the laws of our kingdoms, which no rational person would agree to let go of, except with their life. So no rational person, instead of saying a respectable person, bonus, it's a rational person, sapiens, and then it's about agreeing to let go of, except with their life. So it's slightly you know, taken up a degree or two in terms of the prose. Then when he comes to the document again in book nine, he goes a little bit further. So this is what it reads. It is not indeed self-seekingly for glory and war or for riches or honours that we fight, but only for the liberties and laws of our fathers, which freedom no one noble ought to let go of except with their life. Uh, so it's not a rational person. It's not sapiens. It's not a respectable person, bonus, but it's a noble person, noblesse. Uh, this time. So here again, it, it, it feels like he's recalibrating the prose to say a little more vividly what he thinks the document was saying in the first place. And uh, given the sort of uh, variations that you've, you've, you've traced, can we, can we say anything about why this matters, why these variations across these, these copies of the Declaration of Arbroath um, might be historically important? Well, I think the most important thing that this uh, should um, remind us about is that the Declaration of Arbroath was not forgotten. That it would have been well known to anybody who was um, literate in Latin and had an interest in Scottish history and would have read Latin histories. But its particular interest is that it shows that the Declaration of Arbroath wasn't just something that people who knew the history of Scotland and Latin were aware of, but they really engaged with it. So this author uniquely takes this document twice. He wants to be able to rewrite it, to bring out different elements of what he sees as its meaning um, and make that slightly clearer. So it just gives us a much clearer, more vivid sense of this late medieval engagement with, uh, with this document. Fascinating. And, and if any of our listeners want to uh, look at this for themselves, uh, what would be the best place for them to, to look for uh, relevant copies of, of uh, this particular version of, of the document? Oh, goodness, that's a, that's a very good question, because um, I, I now have to confess that uh, the Book 9 version has never been translated. And, I mean, it's not true to say that nobody's noticed that, they, that this variation uh, exists. Uh, Professor Ted Cowan, for example, has uh, drawn attention to it. Um, but, uh, but I'm afraid what I have to confess is that people have to wait for me to finish my work on it and it will be published on the project uh, website where they will be able to see the Declaration of Arbroath and all the different ways that scribes in the Middle, in the middle Ages have engaged with it and, and changed a few words and tweaked it, but especially 
the author of the book of Toscada. I think in the media world that's called a teaser. Uh, thank you very much, Dovit, and that uh, concludes this particular podcast. If you've liked this podcast, please rate and review it uh, on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. Follow the project on Twitter. Um, that's uh, at Cotr, C-O-T-R, uh, 2020. Uh, and visit our website online at uh, www.cotr.ac.uk.